When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What was that? The Oregon State Beavers fall 39-25 at Cal. Definitely an upset loss for Oregon State as they chase the sixth and final win. They make them bowl eligible. I am Aaron Fentress. This is the Beaver Banter Podcast. I welcome in Nick Daschel, the Oregonian and Oregon Live's Beavers reporter. Nick, initial thoughts on what to make about what happened down in Berkeley. Well, I, I, I think for starters, we probably undersold Cal a little bit, as I've probably written a couple times. Um, yeah, the one mistake can't make again is that you can't overlook an experienced veteran quarterback like, like Chase Garbers because um, there's so few of them in the Pac-12. And when he's right, he's pretty good. And uh, and Oregon State didn't have many answers for him, and, and it appears that they miss Alton Julian, the safety who's out for the year. He, you know, they just seemed a little disorganized in the back. They, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't stop the run to the extent that, you know, the, the, the two yard gain turned into four yard gain. It made it a lot easier on third down for Cal. It was just, it, it, it was, was it the worst performance of the year? Probably, but Cal is still better than than we than we probably gave him credit for. Yeah, Cal's a sneaky team. I thought they'd give Oregon trouble. They did. They almost stole that game. They're sneaky because they play good defense. <laughs> if you play good defense, you can prevent teams from running away from you. Their offense has been their problem since Wilcox took over uh, because they just haven't been able to put together what the uh, skill position players needed to have an effective offense. But defensively, they're pretty they're pretty strong. Like you said, if Garbers is on, you know, now you're in trouble. Now you're in a game. For me, big picture, it's, it's still like you lost to a team that that was two and five. Now they're three and five. Uh, you you were chasing bigger things. You still are if you're Oregon State because you still can win the North by winning out. If you if you end up going into the Oregon game with two losses and Oregon has uh, one in conference and you beat them, well, you win the tiebreaker because you have beat them head to head and and win the North. Division, so that's still out there. But this is a game that you figure, if you're Oregon State and you've gotten to this point where you're, you're walking in there five and two, that you should win that game. And they did not. Anyway, as we move forward, final score was thirty-nine to twenty-five. Cal uh, defensively, clearly, you know, you give up thirty-nine points to a team that was averaging, I think, twenty-two going into the game. That's not a good look. Uh, you mentioned, you know, injuries in the secondary looking lost at times 
Cal scored on two plays in which receivers were completely uncovered. Uh, one, a tailback wheel, which happens, but still, you, you, you know, you, you got to watch it. We only have one receiver on your side on the line of scrimmage and it's the back in the backfield. Someone has to watch for the back, but that play works against teams at every level. Like it just, you set teams up and you get them on that. That still is unfortunate. And then the other pass play that was wide open, the tight end runs a drag, turns it into a wheel. The exact same play Oregon State ran against USC. I think it was to Musgrave, if I'm not mistaken. And he was absolutely completely uncovered. Cal ran the same play at Oregon State, which I found to be interesting. And he was wide open for a long touchdown pass. So what was your overall take on the defense coming out of this game? Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it started on first and second down. They they gave Christopher Brooks and the other running backs just just too much too much on on the first couple downs, and it set up you know set up the passing game. Um, you know, another issue for Oregon State is they've been pretty good at getting in the backfield and making plays. They they did very little of that in this game. I I believe they only had one tackle for loss in the game. Which is and no sacks, which is you know certainly <laughs> I don't even need to look that up. I'm sure it's be below what they they're used to doing, um, you know. So if everything is if Cal is pushing forward on everything, then those you know those third downs, which have been a big problem for Oregon State, become even worse. And Cal, Cal ended up going 13 out of 19 on third down, but they didn't even, they didn't, they didn't even have one third and long in the entire game because they were constantly facing third and three, third and two, the entire game. Well, those are, those are pretty easy to convert and Cal, Cal picked them up and kept moving chains. And so, yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, I, I, I don't know up front, up front, it wasn't a great effort at, and, and like I said, in the back end, it, they they miss Alton Julian. They got to figure out some way to get their rotation right and 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 get his tackling ability back in the in the game. And Cal went into the game. They're they're a solid rushing team, one seventy on the season, but they go for two fifty five five point four for per carry. And like you said, if you're if you're running the ball well, you're usually when you're in third down, you're in third and short. You're already establishing that you're running the ball well, which of course sets up play action things like that. They end up with 517 yards of total offense, but my God, that 13 for 19. Like, haven't they been working on that all season? Third down. <laughs> yeah, just, but where it's been where it's been a problem, you know, in the third in previous games, third and long, and this one out of the 19 third downs, 13 of them were third and four or shorter. Well, yeah. those are uh, those are too easy to pick up, and so still, and, you know, and, and, even still, point, 13. No matter what, 13 of 19 is just. That, that's yeah, bad. That's no, bad. they're right now. Now they're, you know, their their percentage for the season's fifty one point six, which is one twenty seven out of one thirty in FBS. Well, I mean, that's just that I that's unacceptable. I mean, it just is. It, you just can't you can't you can't compete in at this level and giving up that sort of number. So were you were you surprised? I mean, obviously, I think everyone. Well, not everyone, but. I think we're both surprised that Oregon State lost this way. Like to me, if they lost, it was going to be that Cal's defense muddied up the game and they were able to pull it out 23 20 or something like that. But uh, were you surprised that I mean, it's one thing for Cal to run the ball well, it's one thing for Cal to maybe have a good passing game, but to put it both, put both of those things together in one game is extremely unusual for this team. 
were you surprised that Oregon State allowed that to happen, even you know, even with the injuries? I, I still wonder if you go back to the first play of the game where BJ Baylor ran that wide zone, fumbled yeah. on the way down. I I wonder how much that got into not only his head and just the entire offense because it took them a good quarter and a half to get going. Their first three possessions, they had seven plays and had seven yards. Um, I mean, that just got him behind. You know, if you don't fumble there and maybe take that first drive and, and put some points on the board, it could have been a totally different game. But, you know, they gave Cal all they gave Cal all the confidence, momentum they needed to get going. And, you know, from there it was just tough. So I, I, always, I just wonder if that first play, and I asked Jonathan that yesterday, um, you know, if that impacted BJ because he didn't have a great game. He had a few good runs, but it was certainly – nowhere near what he's what he's been used to to putting up numbers wise and you know Jonathan said I mean he's frustrated and all that but it's hard hard to know unless you know a, a guy's if you know if you could sit him down and really be honest but I, I think that had to have something to do with with the the eventual outcome of the game is is the first quarter okay Let's uh let's shift to the offense then and and just you know the, their bread and butter is the running game. That's obvious. They were averaging I think two thirty per game. They came away with one thirty four, well below their average, obviously, and that put more pressure on Chance Nolan in the passing game. Plus, not only are you not running the ball well, Cal's scoring, so there's more of an urgency to try and pick things up on offense to keep pace. And Oregon State had some moments, and uh, you know clearly Bradford had another great game. We'll talk more about him later. But is it clear to you, or was it probably has already been clear to you? But was it even more clear after this game that if the running game is not there, this this team is gonna have, is gonna have a hard hard time winning. Sure, and and uh, you know yeah, they came into the game averaging two forty five, which was ninth in the country. So they were. They were about, you know, not just a little over half of what they're used to getting. And they, and what they, and what they missed more than anything is, is a couple of the explosive runs. They really didn't have many of those. What, one thing they did do in the game early, and, and I wonder if it's something they should do a little bit more is, is run, is run chance Nolan. He had a couple of RPO, you know, I don't know if you want to call them RPOs or, or he just design, design runs for himself. He picked up. 10, 12 yards on both of them. And, and I mean, the field was wide open for him and, mm -hmm. but they, that only happened in the first half and they didn't really go back to, they really didn't go back to the second half. But I, I'm wondering if that's something that Oregon state will look a little bit more at trying to get him, trying to get him going a little bit more in the running game. But, but I mean, you're right. If, if Oregon state's running game, is it going, you know, they just can't rely on, on a passing game. They, they need to have both, both things, they need to have the running game going so they have all the options available. So getting behind like they did, that that, that makes it tough. Absolutely. And plus, the running game helps their defense because it keeps them off the field. In this game, I think Oregon State was at 26 minutes compared to, I think, going into the game, their average was about 31 minutes. Uh, so you're putting more pressure on your defense. You're not helping them out when they're struggling. So, you know, all around, like if you look at every element of the game for Oregon State, they were subpar and that's just contributed to this loss. But aside from the passing game not lifting them out of the abyss in this game, 
how do you feel chance play? There were, there were two picks. One, one looked like it was dropped into the DB's hands. Um, the one over the middle, but how'd you think he played overall? Well, I mean, yeah, both the picks were, you, you could make, you could make a case that, you know, the first one was a pass to Zariah Beeson, which he kind of bobbled and, and, and the DB made a good play on the ground. I don't, I don't know if I'd put that one on chance. The second one, Again, I don't know. I put that on chance just because it was, they were down two scores. There was five minutes ago. He's trying to make a big play down the, I mean, you know, it's it, at that point. He had a receiver wide open. He, over it's the hard. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It's, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, put that one on, on a quarterback, just trying to make a play when they're desperate to do something. But yeah, it's, he was okay. He was okay. He wasn't, he wasn't, he needed to be great on Saturday because nothing else was really clicking. So in that case, I mean, at some point if you, when you're the quarterback, occasionally you got, you, they, you got to tell your team to get on my shoulders and, and I'll take you there because, you know, there's games where you're just not going to have it. And the quarterback sometimes just needs to be the guy that, that carries them. And he, he wasn't able to do that. And he really hasn't, he really hasn't been that kind of guy yet, so at some point he probably will need to do that. Yeah, he's still young. Maybe he's maybe he needs another year to, to reach that point. What did Jonathan Smith say about the lack of uh, running game? Well, he 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 gave a lot of praise to Cal, and 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 rightly so. I mean, Cal had Cal had all the answers. They 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 made it tough to. The, the creases weren't there like they'd been in the past. You know, they, they attacked Oregon state's offensive line, like no team they'd seen this season. Um, there just wasn't a lot of places to run Saturday. And, and again, this is going to be the best run defense Oregon state faces. I mean, they're going to get well these next two weeks, I think with Colorado and Stanford, those are two of the worst run defenses they'll see all year. So, um, I, I don't know that I'd be too concerned. It, you know, it, 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 like Jonathan said, you know, you know, we've been running for over 200 yards every game. You can't do that every game. And, and sure enough, they, they found a way not to do it. But um, so I, I'm not too concerned about the running game right now. I, I mean, I come away from this game being wondering, you know, are they going to be able to hold anybody under 450 yards offense the rest of the way? <laughs> well, that's not good. <laughs> no well i i should say other than colorado i mean i i mean if colorado gets 450 they really got some problems so i mean as good as colorado was against oregon they still only had 300 and what 20 yards or something like that so yeah and they got um, they got 15 yeah. cheap points in the fourth quarter colorado yeah then. yeah their offense is yeah bad. uh yeah. okay before we dive into colorado let's just talk about what this means big picture uh they're at five wins. They should get the six at Colorado. I mean, if they don't, then that's a whole different <laughs> discussion. But given what happened against Cal, and it's hard to overblow that because they did just beat Utah the previous week. Utah just beat UCLA. Utah's looking pretty good. Um, does it does it make it seem more likely that their ceiling is seven, that they can get these next two? Cal and Stanford, and that's pretty much it, that they're not going to have much of a shot against Arizona State or Oregon? Or is it just, hey, this is the conference, man. This, this Things 
upsets happen, and if Oregon State can get upset, they can also upset someone, so everything's still on the table. God, what a Debbie Downer. Um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, Jonathan's track record is pretty good at, at getting teams to bounce back after bad performances. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw this season out after just one game. I throw the season ba- out. I'm just saying whether they can well, get I wins. Know. Well, I mean, okay, Colorado's bad. They if they don't beat Colorado, then then maybe we got some cause for concern. But I I mean, I think they can beat Stanford. I wouldn't say that's a gimme. They haven't beaten Stanford since I think it's 2011. So. Um, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to slow down Stanford's passing game for sure. Um, but they should run on them all day long. And, you know, by the time they get to Arizona state, who, who's to say that that team won't have totally quit. I mean, I, I don't know the Arizona States of, I mean, any more difficult game than Stanford. Um, so I, I think eight wins is probably the ceiling. I mean, I, I think winning at Oregon will be a, a tall ask, now I, I should back up on one thing you said about Oregon State. If they run the table, they win the North. That's not quite accurate. It's not. No, because Washington State only has two losses, and if Washington State wins out, they win oh. the North. Yeah. Um, because they they because they would beat Oregon. Yeah, they would beat Oregon. They'd have, they'd have, they'd have the tiebreaker with Oregon State. So, right. um, so Oregon. What are, the, what are but, the odds of that though? Well, I mean, what's their, what's their schedule? Well, they got Oregon, they got Arizona, and they got Washington, and two of those three are on the road. So, I mean, if you call if you, if Arizona's a free square, I mean they they they've got to win they've got to win two road games, and and right. both both will be tough, and especially the Washington game will be tough because they never seem to find a way to to beat the Huskies. But but yeah, that's uh that's Oregon State's path is they need to win out and have Washington State lose lose once. Um, so, okay, you know, we'll see, but, um, getting back to your original question, which was, what's the big picture? Uh, you know, yeah, eight, eight wins. Uh, I think the ceiling is eight wins, you know, they still have a shot to get to 10, obviously with a bowl game, if they went out and win a bowl game, which would be, which would be, I'm not going to say a season for the ages, but it'd certainly be the, uh, the best season in 20 years, um, you know, for, for where they've come from. So I, 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 am not, I'm not totally ready to write, but, but they, they have to play, they have to play better on the defensive side of the ball the, the, starting this week for me to believe that they have a shot to, to get to eight or even past eight wins. You are listening to Beaver banter and we'll be right back after a quick break. Well, okay, let's talk about Bradford, actually. Um, he, the last two games, he has just been lighting it up. 12 catches, 198 yards, three touchdowns. Do you think he's emerged as the clear number one receiver? Well, he kind of has been all season, but he hasn't really had any, any you know, breakout type games where, you know, an eight catch or even a six catch game. Um, you know, he's their leading receiver in total, in total catches, but it hasn't been anything special, but the last two weeks, you know, he's had six catches both weeks and he had the, you know, two big plays on Saturday where he caught the ball in, you know, beat double coverage in the corner of the end zone for the one. And then he, and then he caught the deep slant and, and ran away from the, ran away from the secondary for the other touchdown. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, he's got speed and he's, he's, he's a veteran. And I think he's a guy that they need to start looking to even a little bit more because I think he's motivated to finish off his career in a, in a strong way. So, I mean, they've been look, I mean, they, the, the coaches keep saying, you know, they, they, they sidestep the, the go-to receiver question, but I kind of think you need to have one. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you're a receiver, so I'm sure you thought you were always the go-to guy. But, uh, <laughs> Never but, covered, yeah. always open. That's how they all think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, well, no, but, I mean, you don't, I mean, you don't, well, I'd rather have three number twos and a number one and a bunch of fours. I mean, but if you have a number one, what that means is he has to be accounted for by more than one guy. If he's one-on-one with someone, he's going to win that matchup 90% of the time. And so you have to devote some help to him and scheme to stop him. And that, of course, helps everything else, helps the running game, helps the other receivers. So that's why having a true number one is nice. But if you don't have one, you can still scheme your way with a bunch of other good receivers and make things happen. I mean, Marcus Mariota won the Heisman without a true number one receiver. They just had a bunch of dudes. So it can work. But if you can get a guy who's, you know, pretty much unstoppable, then great. But those guys are not, you know... They're not that prevalent. I mean, you're talking about guys who are guaranteed first, second, or third round pick guys. Um, they're not. They you know they don't grow on trees. So, well, I, I, I've I've always wondered about the about this, and and I don't know if the if there's anything to it or not. But Oregon State has so many receivers. You know, they have eight or nine guys that they use, and I I kind of wonder if maybe they have too many guys that they're trying to run out there rather than stick with three or four that you know, get in a rhythm and, and figure stuff out rather than, you know, run out, like I said, seven, eight, nine guys in a game. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's an issue or not. Uh, I mean, basically they're saying that there's no separation and that, you know, they can't justify picking just a few because the other guys are just as good and they don't know which few to pick. <laughs> so, I mean, so. but is there anything, is there anything to, to getting in a rhythm of a game and getting a guy out there en- enough to figure out what's, you know, where, you know, getting it, like in, I said. In a, in a certain extent, but, if, but guys probably do things better than other guys. Like if I have a receiver who runs a hell of a dig route and I have another receiver who runs a hell of a comeback, well, I want those guys running the routes they're good at running. I'm not going to make the yeah. guy who runs a really good dig route trying to run me a post corner when he rounds his cuts and it sucks and the other guy runs a really sharp post corner but he doesn't run a good dig. You know what I mean? Like, so you're going to probably – try and piece things together to get guys in the best position to succeed based on what they do. Well, that said, you're hundred percent right. It's, you know, the best scenario is to have a unit that's used to working together. It's just like with the offensive line. I mean, if you have five guys who work together, that's going to be so much more efficient than if you're just rotating guys in there and, you know, you're having a different guy next to you and certain guys know the certain parts of the offense better than other guys or certain guys are more prone to different mistakes than other guys are. And it just can become kind of confusing. So yeah, you're, you're right. That's yeah. optimal. But if you don't have that, then you try and piece it together the best you can. Um, right. All right. So was there anyone else that stood, was any, any unsung hero that stood out to you? Boy, not for this game. I mean, even the special, <laughs> even the special teams was a letdown for the first time all season with the block punt. I mean, it was, right. Yeah, no, I I guess I should amend my statement from earlier. This was the worst performance of the year. There's not really shouldn't be any question about it. It was worse than Purdue. Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, at least at Purdue, they they the defense had a lot of stops. Not in this game. <laughs> I Very mean, 
Yeah, they uh, Purdue. They 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 had the defense played. I thought the defense played pretty well against Purdue. It was you know the offense that had a lot of issues, but um, so no, this one was just not good. But like I said, Jonathan's track record is one where you know. I go back to 2019 where Utah came to Corvallis and ran Oregon state off the field. I think it was 52 to seven next week. They go down to Cal win 21, 17. Um, and they've had a couple of those under Jonathan where one week was bad and they figured it out and and came back the next week and played pretty well. So I think that's, you know, if you're Oregon state, you got to kind of hope the history repeats itself. All right, moving on to Colorado specifically. Colorado's offense, 11th in points, 12th in total offense. Passing yards, 12th. Passing yards per game, 12th. Passing yards per attempt, 11th. Touchdown passes, 12th. Rushing attempts, oh, 5th in rushing attempts. That's good. But rushing yards per game, 10th. Per rush, 11th. They're just they're just not good in any way, stretch, or, or imagination. Um Excuse me, they're not getting any stretch of imagination. But they do have a guy named Brendan Rice, son of Jerry Rice. That kid is good. Can he beat Oregon State by himself? No. No. <laughs> one guy, one guy is not no. I'm just joking. I, I'm trying to find it. I'm no. trying to find an angle, man. Come on, work. No, with me. I mean yeah, I mean <laughs> if Nate Landman doesn't play Saturday. I don't even know. I I mean, I don't even know why they play the game if he doesn't play wow. the, the, the line. Well, seriously, I mean, you saw you saw Oregon's offense perked up. I mean, and because Nate wasn't in the game, and I'm not saying he's 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 going to make the difference between winning and losing, but he's by far their best defensive player. If he's not in the game, I mean, they they're really in trouble. So, and I don't know. I have not heard what his status is for Saturday. Like I said, he didn't play against Oregon, but I don't know if he's going to be available for this Saturday or not. I mean, if he if he doesn't play, Oregon State's going to score fifty. I think they'll get fifty. All right. I don't see. I mean, I just don't see. I just don't see Colorado stopping these guys unless he's playing. And even if he does play, I think it's still going to be a good day on the offensive side. Yeah, they should run the ball well and get things established again. Here's a little side note. Chance Nolan leading the conference in passing efficiency, thanks in large part to his nine yards per attempt. Okay, I'll I'll take your word for I did see that stat. And I first team thought, all okay. league? Is he first I, team I, all I, league? I, I, I saw that stat and I thought, wow, this this conference of quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not I, I mean chance is a Chance is a decent quarterback, but and he's he growing and getting better. Yeah, is, is he talented. a first team? Is he the best quarterback in the Pac-12? Uh, no, that touchdown, that touchdown to the right front corner of the end zone to Bradford was absolutely exquisitely perfect. He has had some some accurate throws this year. I'll give. I mean, he just had those six quarters where you scratched your head in the middle of the year, but. He has thrown the ball, you know, at times pretty well. Just needs to be better. All right. So, what's your score prediction? I called it forty-one to seventeen, um, okay. and that's not knowing, you know, if Landman's going to play or not. And even if he does, I can't imagine he's hundred percent. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm over. Maybe I'm underselling Colorado, but 
I, I don't know. They, they had 103 yards against California. And I mean, they just, they've been shut out by Minnesota. They, they, I mean, they really, other than Arizona, they've, I mean, USC ran them off the field in Boulder. Uh, I just, it's, it's just hard to see now. I mean, it's, it, uh, but again, we go back, you know, to 2018, Oregon State when it went in a bowler, no, no chance on earth of winning fell behind 31 to three and still won the game. So, you know, as we figured, found out over the years, anything's possible, I suppose, but I don't think, a, I think a Colorado win would be pretty surprising. Oregon state, by the way, in this spot since 2000, when they've been a double digit favorite, they're 19 and one straight up. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Look at you breaking out the wise guy stats. Well, that's <laughs> and for oh well, I guess I could say they're fourteen and six against the spread too. They're, 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 that's the number that the that the betters only care about. They don't care about straight up. Well, you can bet the money line straight up. I oh, I guess I guess I guess you could. <laughs> Not that I would know anything about that. Yeah. I know. All right. Anything else for you, sir, on this uh, sad week for the Beavers? No, I don't think so. It's just it's going to get real busy here pretty soon between between basketball starting up here and then and then the Oregon State men's. This is what I know you've been following the Oregon State men's soccer team. They might Ooh. be the number one. They might be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament this year. What? Yeah, yeah. They right now they're number one in RPI, number two in the coaches poll. And when the NCA put out their seed reveal last two weeks ago, they were number two, and Georgetown was number one, lost on Saturday. So they might be the number one overall seed in the NCA tournament. Wow. Yeah. I will so, admit that I had zero clue. Well, I eleven one you, and two. Now you now you've been enlightened. Man, we're we gonna stop, do a beaver. Stop stop watching. <laughs> Damian Lillard's sad shooting performance and start paying attention to Oregon State's soccer team. Hey, if the Oregonian wants to pay me to cover Oregon State soccer for the next few weeks, I'm all for it because this Blazers team is hurting my eyes right now. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> Man, they're good, dude. Look at them. Look at all these shutouts, too. Yeah. No. Right, good for the Beavers. The only the only game they lost the only game they lost was on a was on a penalty kick in the 89th minute. What's uh, what's their history? Well, you know, last year they had the uh, they had the the what what is the equivalent of of soccer's Heisman Trophy winner, and and he and he he actually doesn't even play for Oregon State anymore. He he's gone on to pro soccer. So no, this, they they have a coach named Terry Boss. You might recognize that name. His brother is Kevin Boss. Oh yeah. Uh, and Terry's a hell of a soccer coach, he, but they grew up in Philomath, and so he came to Oregon State four years ago, and he's just he's just totally transformed the soccer program into something something pretty special. I mean, they, they they're on the brink of winning the Pac-12 title, and and uh, uh, they have three games left, and so yeah, they and they they get pretty good crowds for their for their games too. Um, they're, so they're, yeah, I, I'm, I might be getting kind of busy here toward the end of November. So they were nine and five last year, eight and six the year before that in 2018, 11, six and three. When did boss take over in 2018, 18, so that was his first year, the 11 and six year. Yeah. And prior to that, they were, they've been, they've been, the, they've been the NCAA's 
two of the three years he's been here, and and there, and obviously they'll go this year too. So three out of the wow. four years. So was this uh, something that people saw coming? Well, I mean, I don't know. They saw it coming. I mean, he's a good coach, but I don't think I don't know if they saw it coming this quickly. And they certainly, I I can't imagine they thought it was going to get to this level where you know you could be the number one team in the country within four years of 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 a coach taking over. You know, in Little Corvallis, Oregon. But I mean, it's kind of getting to be it's kind of getting to be a kind of a good story. Yeah. Um, that you know the the their their regular season finale is against Washington and Washington was the number one ranked team in the country when, when Oregon state went up and beat them up in Seattle. So that should be a, that that's as big a game as there's been probably in the country. This is the one coming up Thursday next a week from Thursday. So, mm. um, so yeah, they get past this road trip this week at San Diego state and UCLA that, you know, all the marbles on, on Thursday. And then, and then the playoffs where they, they could, potentially play four home games if they you know if they w- keep winning they they play at home and through the up until the the semifinal the NCAA semifinal so wow so we'll see that's wild as as, as some as some Oregon, Oregon State fans have joked Oregon State soccer's getting to be so good Oregon's going to want to have a team <laughs> I was just actually going to say that that's so funny you brought that up I literally was going to say that cuz I was thinking about uh, what Oregon did with baseball when Oregon State won right. a couple of national titles and Oregon forced their way into having a baseball. Yeah, program. that's been that's that's been the joke at Oregon State. <laughs> They're going to be so good that Oregon's going to decide they need to have a soccer program. So, oh my god, that's it's funny because it's one hundred percent true. But no, that's awesome. I had no clue. I'm not going to lie. I'm not paying attention to, to college soccer. No offense. I respect the sport. I just don't have the bandwidth to be paying attention to college soccer programs. But now that they're 11, one and two, I will be paying attention. We're going to have to include them in the, in the Beaver banter podcast. Yeah. There you go. Now, now see, they can't ever say that we didn't talk. We only talk football in this podcast. We, <laughs> we go, we go deep I'm, on other subjects. I'm actually, I'm actually going to learn some of the players next time. Anyway, I covered Kevin Boss. I covered Kevin Boss uh, going into the draft. I got, I covered the Super Bowl where he had that nice game against the Patriots. Had a big had a big play. So yeah, I've known Kevin for known Kevin for a long time. Talked to him for my Cam McCormick story I did a couple of years ago for when I worked at the Athletic. Um, hadn't talked to him in a while. So yeah, Kevin Boss. And I didn't know his brother even coached soccer. That's cool. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, man. Well, we will be back next week with a recap of Oregon State's presumed win over Colorado and we will check out what happened with the soccer team during their road trip at San Diego State and UCLA as they move to the forefront as the most important team in the state (laughs) for the rest of the fall probably I'm Aaron Fentress, he is Nick Dashel we'll see you next week, be sure to click the subscribe button and leave us a positive 5 star review, we would appreciate it talk to you or see you next time